This year we're working on a theme entitled Freedom in Christ, and we're looking at a number of different uh, ways that we're free, things that we are free from and freed for, perhaps. Uh, the series that we're working on right now is called Free from Doubt. Uh, we're talking about assurance, the kind of assurance that I think all Christians ought to have and we ought to be able to tell other people about, uh, that you can go to heaven and you can know that you're going. Uh, that's the kind of assurance that we're trying to understand and make sure that we don't have any doubt about that. Uh, today's lesson is Me and Sin. I'm going to talk about um, us and sin, actually. Uh, I've been saying all through this series that I'm preaching to the saved. I'm preaching to those in Christ uh, and trying to reinforce the fact that we should have no doubt, should be hearing this good news in maybe a little different way than we usually do. Uh, it occurred to me that today's lesson in particular is also very good news for those who are lost. If you're here and not in Christ, uh, I am talking to those in Christ, uh, but if you pay attention, if you listen to what the Bible says about this, this is very good news. And in fact, I think it may be a misunderstanding of this subject, me and sin. It may be a misunderstanding of that that keeps people from coming to Christ. So all of you can listen today. Let's uh, talk about this a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about sin. And I'm going to assume that everybody here knows what sin is. We're not going to cover that. We've done that in a number of past series. Uh, sin is literally missing the mark. Sin is doing something or thinking something or behaving in some way that's against the will of God. That is against his rules, one of his rules or his nature or his purpose for us or just anything in the will of God. If we miss it, if we do something different, that's called sin. Uh, so let's talk about me and sin, just logically work through this a little bit. And the place I want to start is the verse that was read just a little bit ago. Uh, I think first we have to recognize that there is a law of sin and death. We don't talk about that too much. But in that passage in Romans 6, 23, uh, Paul talks about the law of sin and death. He says the wages of sin is death. That's a law. If you sin, if you miss the mark, if you disobey God's will, if you stray from it, the wages is death. Now, folks, that's a heavenly law. That's the way God is because of his nature, and we've talked about that too. He's so holy he can't be in the presence of sin. So the, the law of sin and death is that when you sin, you deserve to die. It's the law. Second thing we've got to understand is the difference for those in Christ. There is the law of sin and death, but there's something different. There's a different relationship to sin, let's say, for those who are in Christ or under grace. And I put the passage on your handout for you, Romans 8, 1 and 2, explains that. Paul said, there's now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because, why is there no condemnation? Because they're sinless? No. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Get the difference there? The law of sin and death exists. But Romans 8, 1 and 2 says people in Christ have been set free from that law. Third thing is once you get to that point, (laughs) comes up the big question about grace. And Paul knew people were going to ask that question. We're going to jump back and forth between Romans 6, 7, and 8, and Paul in there discusses this whole topic of how he's been freed from the law of sin and death, and how it's different under grace, and how sin is taken care of under grace, like we talked last week. But he knows, as soon as you explain that to people, somebody's going to think of the question. And so he poses it himself in Romans 6.1. He says, what shall we say then? After he explained grace so well. He said, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? That's a logical human question, isn't it? What would your kid tell tell you or think if you said, all right, we're not going to enforce any of the rules anymore. You break curfew, you do this, you do that, whatever you do, I'm just going to mark it off. I'd be graceful. Would maybe some teenager think, ha I can get away with some stuff now. And that's what Paul's saying. He says, that's the way people are going to think. Well, I can just sin more. I mean, if grace takes care of it, and grace is a wonderful thing, and we praise grace and we sing about amazing grace and all that, then, well, the more I sin, the more grace there is. It'll be even better. Paul's thinking, okay, some of the humans probably going to think of that, and some people do. But fourth thing we need to understand is the answer to that. And Paul goes right on and answers it in verses 2 through 4 of chapter 6. He says, by no means. That's not the answer. I mean, that's not the way to think. He says, the reason is we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Summarize it. We're in Christ. Grace covers our sins. But to just think that we just want to go on sinning, we can't. No, we died to sin. The whole purpose was to live a new life. We don't want to live that old sinful life. So there's the explanation. We have a different relationship with sin. Some of you say, well, I don't know about that. Well, remember the first lesson? How do we know things? By the way we feel. No, we know if they're facts. The facts come first. We feel afterwards. We know, we do, then we feel. 
Paul says, here's the way it works. There is a law of sin and death. If you sin, you die. But the difference is people in Christ, people under grace, aren't subject to that law. And the reason they don't go on sinning, even though they're not subject to that law, is because they died to sin. They did it to live a new life. Let's summarize it this way. Those out of Christ are subject to the law of sin and death. Those in Christ are free from the law of sin and death. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard it explained that way. But that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying when you're out of Christ, you're subject to the law of sin and death. You sin, you die. But in Christ, you're freed from that law. I have been freed from the law of sin and death. Now, think of it as moving from one place to another, one position to another. I think this is important because I think a lot of folks, especially out of Christ, think about it as it's about a different kind of person. It's about going from being a sinner to being sinless. Let's not think of it that way this morning. Let's think of it as a different position. And we're familiar with this kind of thinking. For 200 years plus people, millions of people, have been moving from other places in the world to the United States. Why? Because they want to be free from tyranny is many times the answer. There are laws or persecution or dictators or whatever, and they don't want to be subject to that anymore. Okay? So they change positions. They immigrate. They come to a place where they're not subject to that anymore. Okay? Within the United States, people move all the time from different states to other states. Sometimes they have to because of their job. Sometimes they choose to. Right now, thousands, I think millions, in fact, are moving from California to Texas and to Florida. Why? Because the tax rates are so incredible in California that people say, I want to be free from that. And where are they moving to? They're picking a state where there is no state income tax. Okay? I know that's capitalism, and it doesn't apply here particularly, but that's the way it is. It's a different position. Okay? If you moved to Wichita recently and looked for a house, I know you thought about a lot of different things in that neighborhood. You checked what the taxes were in that subdivision. You checked to see if the water was any good. They got bad water in this area or not. You check the schools if you got kids in school age. Okay? And you picked a neighborhood, you considered a neighborhood because of those things. Maybe one thing you thought about, does this neighborhood have a homeowners association? Because, see, different neighborhoods are under different laws. In some, you're under a law that says you can't decide what color to paint your house. Somebody else has got to approve that. Some people are okay with that, and some people say, I don't want to live under that. Okay? 
And some of you haven't ever lived where there is a homeowners association, so you don't understand exactly what I'm talking about. I did live in one with a homeowners association. We moved out, and as we drove out, it was free at last. Free at last. (laughs) Actually, the homeowners association itself and the rules and all that weren't the problem. The main problem was that I was naive enough to let myself get elected president of that silly thing. Okay? That's, that's not wise, folks. I mean, people call you and they report this and that. Nobody ever calls and says, would it be all right if I did this or that? It's always about somebody else. They call all the time and say, you need to do something about this guy over here. Or you need to take care of this person's property over here. Or this place is looking junky. Or this guy painted his shed in the backyard the wrong color. And you need to do something. But that's not not a good position to be in particularly. My favorite one was I got a call some one time. that guy said, there's a neighbor over here on this side of the division. And he's got a rooster in his backyard. It wakes me up every morning. I want you to do something about that. And he said, if you don't do something about it, I'm going to call the police. And there's a law against that. He can't have a rooster in this neighborhood. Yeah, well, I've checked, and there is a law against that. Okay. So I started, I thought about phoning him, but I'd phoned this guy before. This guy was not what you would say was highly skilled in the social behavior. Okay, he was a jerk. You know, he, he was just always causing some kind of trouble. He didn't take care of his yard. He had junk sitting around all kinds of places, and, and he wasn't any fun to deal with. So I decided instead of phoning him, I mean, if you're going to go threaten a man's rooster, you ought to do it face to face. So I knocked on his door, and I told him, I said, I got a call. I don't know if it's true or not, but I got a call that you got a rooster. Yeah, so what? I said, well, it bothers somebody. And not only that, the guy that it bothers said if you didn't get rid of it, he was going to call the police, and they'd come get rid of it and find you. And so he started trying to get in my face. I said, hold it, hold it. I'm just reporting here. I don't care if you have a rooster, particularly. It doesn't bother me. I'm far enough away I can't hear it. But... If you don't get rid of it, this guy's going to call the police, and it's going to cost you some money, and you're going to lose your rooster anyway. And he said, well, I don't know how to get rid of it. I said, well, I can help you with that. (laughs) You know, that's not that hard. (laughs) You just drive away for a half hour, and when you come back, it'll be all right. But yeah, I left him alone. He did get rid of the rooster, I think. So we lived through that one. Uh, strange things happen in homeowners association. I got a lot of calls about this one woman. She was the only one you ever saw outside the house. Her husband was sick and never got out of the house, and I don't think they had too much money. And they had a pretty raggedy yard. I mean, it was an eyesore in the neighborhood. And so people would call me. And they'd say, you've got to make her clean that yard up. 
You, we got power into the homeowners association thing. You can put a lien on her house. You need to do something about that. Well, I thought about it for a while, and it did look bad. But I kind of felt sorry for her. So what I decided to do was one day I walked over there, and I knocked on her door, and I said, Ma'am, I said, would you mind if I brought my weed eater over someday and just kind of worked around your place a little bit? I love to work in the yard. That's kind of a hobby for me. Kind of relaxes me. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd noticed you got some things that could stand a little weed eating, and I'd be happy to do it if you wouldn't mind. She said, oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. So I got the mower and the weed eater and chainsaw and everything else over. I tore that place up. Okay? I whipped it into shape. Okay? You know what? She was really nice to me after that. You know, it it was kind of like she was grateful for something. You want to know the difference between me and a lost sinner? It's over right up there. I live in a neighborhood where someone cleans up the mess that I can't clean up. That's the difference. Doesn't mean I'm any better than anybody in the other neighborhood. It just means that's where I live. Kind of makes a guy grateful, doesn't it? I mean, kind of amazing when you think about it. The importance of being in Christ cannot be overstated. I don't think we talk about it enough. I just put a few things out of the verses we read today. This is no means a complete list. You go through the New Testament and write down all the things that are in Christ. Paul summarizes, he says, we get all spiritual blessings in Christ. But you just make a list, and it's a lot longer than this one. But this is just in the few verses we're reading from 6, 7, and 8. In Christ, we are cleansed from sin. Continually, we talked about last week. In Christ is where we contact his death. When we come into union with his death. The sinner dies when we go into Christ. The old man of sin is put to death. We walk a new life. That's why we, in Christ, that's what we do. We walk by the Spirit. We're constantly purified by the blood of Christ. Now, that different understanding, I think, helps all of us. Suppose I, as a child of God, go to someone who's never obeyed Christ and is not in Christ, who's a lost sinner. And I say, I want to talk to you about your soul. You need to obey the gospel of Christ. Well, I'd expect that fellow to say, well, why do I need to obey the gospel of Christ? Well, because, and I can explain it. The gospel is God's power to save. That's where the power is. And I can tell him the whole story about Jesus dying on the cross and Jesus being our propitiation and Jesus saying right before he went back to heaven that to claim those benefits, to claim that grace, you need to be in me. 
You need to repent. You need to be baptized. You need to be in my body. And then you get all these benefits. And the fellow I'm talking to, I, he might figure all that out and say, okay. So I need to obey the gospel, you're telling me. I need to be baptized. Because I'm a lost sinner? Well, yes, sir, that's, that's where you are, according to the Bible. And at that point, he would probably think and might even ask, are you a sinner or are you sinless? See, at which point I got a choice. You know, First, I can lie. I can say, oh, yeah, I'm sinless now. <laughs> you know, I don't do anything wrong. I don't ever think anything wrong. Now, I'm sinless because I'm in Christ. I don't think he'd buy that story. So I could tell the truth. I say, no, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner really similar to you. The only difference is I've moved neighborhoods. I've moved into a position where Jesus' blood takes care of me. I've been freed from the law of sin and death. I'm not any better than you. You might even live a more moral lifestyle than I do in some ways. But I'm in a different position now. Thinking through that, here's another way to express it. Let's look at this. Those out of Christ are condemned sinners. Those in Christ are cleansed sinners. Does that make more sense to you? See, it's not about moving from sinner to sinless, which sometimes folks think, I sometimes think. But if you're not in Christ, if you haven't obeyed him, you're a condemned sinner. You're under, subject to, the law of sin and death. If you've moved into Christ, if you've done what he said because you trust his grace, you decided that's the way I'm going to get in, is his grace, then you're a cleansed sinner. All right, let's tack one little thing on the end of this. That's most of the sermon, but let's think about this. Knowing all of that that we've just been through, we might wonder, why is sin still a problem? If I'm in Christ and I'm still a sinner, but the old man of sin was supposed to die, why is it still a problem? Well, there is another law of sin and death. The one law of sin and death is that the wages of sin is death. But another law of sin and death is this. It's in Romans chapter 7. The next slide, I think. Another law of sin and death. Nope. Okay. Stay there. You're right. Romans 7. I didn't put it on the handout. I did put that on the handout. I'm a little confused here. Romans 7, 21 through 23 is on your handout. Listen to what Paul says. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil's right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. This is the Apostle Paul. 
He's the one that just explained how moving in a position and all that frees you from sin and all that. But he says, now here's the reality. There's another law about sin. Sin's always messing with you. Sin is all through this world, and we have a fleshly nature that still is attracted to it some ways. Okay? And we're not going to go into great detail on that. Just listen to what Paul said. There's this law at work. Sin's always around. Whatever I do, and as confident as he was, he knew he was going to heaven. All of his confidence, everything else, he said, sin still messes with me. The difference for those that are in Christ under grace, as explained in Romans 6, 11, 12, and 14, I put those on your handout. Paul said, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. For sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but under grace. When we move into Christ, the Holy Spirit helps destroy that sinful nature. And the more we cooperate with Him and the longer we mature, the more Christ-like we become, the less and less it bothers us. But even the Apostle Paul said, sin's always messing with me. It's always around. It's, it's always tempting. It even tempted our Savior Jesus when He lived here. That's the way sin is. That's how powerful it is. Now, those in Christ are not under the law of sin and death. So when we do sin, we have one, we learned this last week, who speaks to the Father for us and His blood continually cleanses us and all that. We're purified constantly. But the only reason we need to think about sin or talk about it is Paul said it always messes with us. And he said that in Galatians 6.1, he said, in fact, it can trap you. A Christian can be trapped or ensnared by sin. And that's what, why you've got to continually work at it, pray to the Holy Spirit to help you with it, but don't let it rain. Don't let it be your master. When you're, like Ron was talking this morning, we come here once a week to examine ourselves. That's a good practice. You think, is there anything bothering me, trying to ensnare me, that's attractive to me that shouldn't be? That's a good way to examine yourself. And a Christian does that. So a Christian hopefully doesn't get ensnared, but sometimes... They do, and spiritual Christians are supposed to help bring them back from that sin. Let me add one bit of good news here. The the law of temptation in sin, I called it, because we're looking at laws this morning. There's no reason to be ensnared. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what's common to mankind. We all face the same kind of things. God's faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he'll provide a way out. That's a great promise. That may be the best promise in the New Testament for Christians, beyond the fact that we have eternal salvation and all that. But he says in this world where sin's still messing with you, he's watching out for you. 
He'll never let you be tempted more than you can bear. And every time you are tempted, he will specifically, personally provide a way out so you can get out of it. So there's no reason to ever be ensnared, but it happens sometimes. Now, one verse I didn't put on this handout, and let's look at it together. Romans 7. When Paul's talking about this sin always bothering him and all that, he says, I find this law at work. It's always waging war against me. Then what's he say down in 24? What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, Jesus Christ will get me out of this. The sin still messes with me. It's still tempting. It aggravates me when it happens. And I don't think Paul, I think he was way beyond physical sins and behavior sins. I think he was thinking about, you remember he said he wanted to take every thought captive for Christ. I think that's where he was. He was so highly mature. I think it aggravated him when he had a wrong thought. So it sends always after me. They're trying to get me to think the wrong things. I hate that. But Jesus Christ will get me out of it. Okay, let's close with a question. No, next week. That, that's right. Next week, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about. Next time we're together, don't doubt your liberty. We're going to talk about the liberty that we have in Christ, and we shouldn't doubt that. Okay, now let's close with a question. I want you to really ask yourself this question. What's, what's my relationship to sin? That's what we've talked about this morning, is our relationship to sin. There's three options, as I see it going through what we've talked about. You can be a condemned sinner. That may be your relationship to sin. And there may be somebody here that you know, is in a sinful lifestyle, doesn't want anything to do with spiritual things. Um, enjoys staying in their sinful lifestyle. That's okay. Now, I don't mean it's okay. I mean, it's eternally faithful. Uh, but I say it's okay because you've got free will. You've got freedom of choice. God said, if that's what you want to choose, that's all right. He doesn't want you to. He, doesn't want, he wants everybody to come to repentance. But he gave you that option. You may be a condemned sinner in that place where you're not in Christ, or you may be a cleansed sinner. You understood the gospel message at some time in your life. You evaluated the two ways of becoming righteous. We talked about that the first Sunday. You can either choose to do it by law and get everything right, or you can do it by grace. Let him cover it for you. Once you understand that message, it's pretty wise to choose grace. And if you choose grace, then you obey him. You decide he's the one that can do it for you. And he says, I ask you to repent and be baptized. Then you do that. And then like Paul, you're freed from the law of sin and grace. Under God's grace, you've changed addresses. You're living in a different place. You move from the kingdom of the lost to the kingdom of God's dear son. Oh, you still sin. You're a sinner, but sin always messing with you. And sometimes you do sin out of weakness. 
or out of ignorance sometimes, and it aggravates you when you do that, and you repent, and you confess, and you ask Jesus to forgive you, and his blood cleanses you. You may be in that relationship to sin. Still a part of your life. But there's a difference between being a condemned sinner and a cleansed sinner. And there may be some who are a trapped sinner. You're in Christ, but there's one sin. And maybe it's caused by a person or a group that just draws you the wrong direction. And if you want to look at it, they're drawing you closer and closer to sin and further and further away from Christ. And maybe you've covered it up. Maybe not a soul in this room knows it. But you've been trapped by that and you don't know what to do to get out. The Bible says spiritual Christians can help you get out. Maybe you'll come to that conclusion today. I'm trapped and I can't get out alone. I need help. I need my fellow Christians to help, and we'd be thrilled if you'd come tell us that this morning. So there, there's those three kinds, but some of you that are really thinking about this, and I did it on purpose because some of you are sitting there thinking, hold it, I'm not any of those three. I'm not a trap sinner, but I'm not in Christ. I'm not a cleansed sinner, I'm not in Christ. But when that guy talked about a condemned sinner, he talked about like I live an evil lifestyle. And like, 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 I like it. And I don't. I live a moral lifestyle. There's that kind of condemned sinner. There's a lot of folks, and I think there's some sitting in this room this morning, who live as good a lifestyle as a condemned sinner as any cleansed sinner in the world. They live a really good lifestyle. But for some reason, maybe they never heard the gospel message explained well. Or maybe they never thought about it this way. Or maybe they're embarrassed to step out into the aisle and say, I need to be baptized. I need to move into a new neighborhood where grace covers me. There's a lot of folks like that. I've I tell you, if you're embarrassed to take that first step, that's the only hard step is that first one. In fact, if it's too hard for you to take, when we're standing up there in invitation, you, if you catch my eye, I will look around. You catch my eye and just signal you'd like me to I'll come walk down the aisle with you. If that's what's keeping you from being in the right neighborhood. Maybe you never understood what I've been talking about. And I, it really never hit me before I worked on this lesson. But see, if I was a condemned sinner, and I thought it was about moving from being a sinner to being sinless, that would kind of scare me. Because I, I don't think I could be sinless. And if I thought it was about moving from a sinner to being sinless, and I looked at those folks who are cleansed sinners... And thought, they're no better than me. I might think, why do I need that? But if I trust the facts of the gospel, if I trust what the Apostle Paul said, I'd come to understand that, that it's about trusting in his grace. 
And I'd want to live in that neighborhood where grace takes care of things that I can't clean up. Now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you need to come into Christ today, we'd love to help you. Let's stand and sing. If you need to come, please come.